we're going to be in all over the place, but in Hebrews chapter 10 is where we're going to start. And if you did not get one of these um, love one another sheets, if you will raise your hand, we have Sean and Karina are going to pass these out for us. So if you'll just raise your hand until you get one and they'll get them to you. Today, we're going to be talking about biblical community. We're going to be talking about living life together. Living life together is crucial for us to be able to accomplish what the scripture has asked us to accomplish. And and so as you get these sheets, you can begin to read over some of these verses. um, And we will read them all together in just a little while. Uh, We won't go to each one of these passages or we might be here for a little while. So I'm going to just read through them quickly. And I copied them so that you will be able to take them home. And I'll try to put these up on our website um, when I when I put the sermon up. I'll, I'll, I'll put a link to this also. If you see multiply written across the top, that's because um, this is a resource that was uh, given and used with permission to anybody who wants to use it. Um, from There was a book called Multiply, a discipleship curriculum uh, written by Francis Chan, and it is a free curriculum. It's a great curriculum. I've used it many times with different people. And so... Uh, if, if you want to Google that, multiply Francis Chan, you, you can get a free uh, digital copy of that. And if you want an actual book copy, then you can buy it from any kind of Christian bookstore that you want to, or you can find it online. Um, as you just saw with the video, uh, we as Southern Baptists, we believe in missions. We believe uh, that we, it's something that we should be a part of. And the reason we believe that is, is because we were created to worship God. Every single one of us, we were created to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and to worship God. And John Piper says that missions exist because worship doesn't. There are people in the world who do not know God, who do not worship him, who do, have never heard the name of Jesus. And missions exist so that they can know him. The end is not missions. Missions is a way to get to the end, which the end is worship. For us to have a relationship with God and to worship God. And missions is the way that God has chosen to tell us to go and and make disciples of all nations. To take his name to the ends of the earth so that everyone can have an opportunity to know him. So that everyone can have an opportunity to have a relationship with him. And so ultimately, he can get the glory that he deserves being God. That, he, that we can honor him and glorify him. We're talking about missions in this mission trip, and the reason that missions exist is so that people can worship God. And in missions, you cannot separate, when you talk about missions, you cannot separate discipleship. Go and make disciples of all nations. As, in fact, Acts 1.8 says, When the Holy Spirit comes upon you in power, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It is our job to go and make disciples, to tell people about Jesus so that they can know him. And then, according to the Great Commission, uh, we are to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And so, in the ultimate goal of the church being worship, and we accomplish that through making disciples and missions so that others can also worship him. Um, one of the things that we do is we don't just worship him as individuals. We worship him together. We worship him corporately. And if we want to truly worship God, then singing 
and praising him in that way, that is a very valid uh, form of worship that is mentioned through, all throughout Scripture. It is something that we should do. Thankfully, it says to make a joyful noise to the Lord and not necessarily a beautiful, joyful. I can make a joyful noise. I don't know about a beautiful noise, but that is a form of worship. But what we have to realize is that worship extends beyond a corporate service, beyond this hour during the week. Worship is something that we do at all times. And worship is not something that is exclusive to God. We worship other things sometimes. When we put too much value on something, it could be something good. And when we put too much value or too much priority on it and we give it too much attention in our lives, then we begin to elevate that thing to a level of importance where only God deserves to be. And so if we're not careful, we begin to worship other than God, something other than God or someone other than God. And so... It's important for us to realize that worship takes many forms. And if we are obeying him, if we are honoring him with our lives, if we are exalting him, then that can be worshipful. Um, Matt and April introduced me to a steakhouse recently. I had not had a steak in a long time. And we go to this place... And Matt's like, you got to get this certain steak. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take your word for it. And I cut the steak, and I didn't even need a knife. I could have just used a butter knife, or it was so. And then I put it in my mouth. How many of you want to leave now and go eat lunch? And it was my mouth was my mouth is watering right now as I'm thinking about this. And in that moment, as I was eating that bite, and tears were welling up in my eyes. Okay, I might be exaggerating a little bit. I was just like, thank you, God. Thank you for this steak. And is that worship? If I'm not careful, I'm worshiping the steak. But whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. We can worship God all the time in many ways. And one of the ways that he calls, many of the ways that he calls us to worship him requires that we have a biblical community. Meaning, okay, shorthand, let's say church. But when the reason I say biblical community is because a lot of times when we say the word church, we think of this building rather than the followers of Jesus who make up the body of Christ as we've been talking about the last few weeks. And so we have to be careful because, yes, absolutely, church can happen in this building. And this building is a blessing to us from God. And we have a responsibility to take care of it and to use it, uh, to be good stewards of it and to use it for his glory. But, but church can also happen outside of this building. Church can happen anytime we're being the body together. And so if you will look at Hebrews chapter 10 with me, and I'm going to start in verse 24. I'm just going to read two verses here because we have a lot of different things going on this morning. And I want to keep this short, this, this passage short, and it, it will explain this passage. We'll talk about this passage. And then we have many, many more verses to look at, and we'll quickly go through those. Um, don't let it scare you when you see all those verses and you know how I preach and how long it takes me to get through a verse. It, it'll be different this morning. So Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider... 
how to stir up one another to love and good works. First of all, did you catch the one another there? And let us, who's us? Well, whoever wrote this letter to the Hebrews um, was writing it to Christian Jewish believers. Jewish believers who have become Christians, who put their faith in Jesus. But we as a church can read this, and it's directly applicable to, to us also, to Christians today. We can look at this and see, let us, let us Christians, let us consider how to stir up one another. Now, there's a lot of people who like to stir up stuff, but it's not to what this verse says. How many of you have ever met someone who just seems to get an unreasonable amount of pleasure from stirring up trouble? Anybody ever met? How many of you know someone sitting next to you? No, I'm just playing. Don't, don't answer that. Um, Rose would point at me for sure. But we're not, we're not called to stir up trouble. We're not called to stir up strife. We're not called to stir up division. We're not called to stir up negativity. We're called, as a church, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. To love and good works. And notice this doesn't say, and let the preacher. It says, let us. It doesn't say, let the deacons. Let us consider. Let all of us consider. It's just like when we see Jesus giving the Great Commission to the disciples, and he says, go and make disciples of all nations, he's not just given that commission to those disciples. If he was, then it would end when they died. But he called them to go and make disciples. And then later it says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Well, they went and they made disciples and they taught them how to make disciples. They taught them all about what Jesus said, who he was, why we need him, his importance. And then they taught them how to teach others how to do the same. And so disciples made disciples, made disciples, made disciples, made disciples, made disciples, made disciples. And they kept making disciples until eventually we get to us today. And if all Christians would not have taken seriously, and all Christians um, might be the wrong phrase, but if it wasn't understood that all Christians had the responsibility to go and make disciples, then... Disciple-making would have stopped, and we wouldn't be here today. But it was understood that it was the job of the church to go and make disciples of the whole church. And now we are in Hebrews, and we're reading, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And we need to understand that this is for all of us. If you consider yourself to be a Christian, then it is your job, it is our job to stir up one another. To love and good works. Remember, we're not stirring up trouble. We're stirring up one another to love and good works. And love and good works doesn't just take place inside of this building. Love and good works takes place living life together. Doing life together. We're only here, most of us, an hour or two a week. And then some, maybe more. But we're called to be faithful to this truth and to this gospel all the time. At all times. And so it is our job to consider how to stir up 
one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. I'll stop there. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. What is this saying? It's saying, go to church. Be the church. Meet together with other Christians. Hang out together. Live life together. Go to worship together. Corporate worship together. Like we are this morning. This week, I believe we had more people listen to our sermons online at our website than we had who attended church last Sunday. Now, there's two sides to that coin. One thing is, that's really awesome that so many people are listening to the sermons online and that they're investing in God's Word and hearing God's Word taught. That's great. And it, for anyone who can't be here, who's on vacation or working or whatever the case might be, then that is amazing and I'm excited that people are listening to the sermons and it's encouraging. But I hope that there aren't people out there who are substituting meeting together and living life together with listening to a sermon online. Because there is no substitute. Now, I'm not against listening to sermons online or I wouldn't put them on there. I'm not against preachers being on television. I'm not against those things. Although, be careful about who you watch and who you listen to. Make sure they're teaching the truth of God's Word. I'm not against those things, but I am against us neglecting to meet together, as some are in the habit of doing. We have to be careful not to devalue the importance of church. But, let's be clear on what I mean by that. Church can take place in a home, as long as it's many different people coming together to worship God. And to live life together and to be the church together. I've, I've been a pastor of a church, a co-pastor of a church that didn't even have a building. And God did incredible things through that church. And it was exciting to be a part of. It was exciting to watch. And we would meet in homes throughout the week. And that wasn't any less of a church. Although we did come together also once a week, all of us, for corporate worship. But that was no less of a church than any other church that did have a building. Okay? The building doesn't make the church. It's the meeting together. It's the being the body. We're many members of one body. And so I believe that in the blessing of God giving us this building, in the blessing of us having this incredible resource and another building out back with a gym and a kitchen and just these incredible resources... I believe that some of us have fallen into a wrong definition and understanding of what the church is. It's way more than this. If this is all church is to you, is showing up for this hour once a week, or maybe even Sunday school once a week, then I understand why so many people are frustrated and don't want to be a part of the church. Because so much of what God calls us to do in his word, all these one another's require us to be with one another. And we'll look at these in just a second. Let me finish this verse. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. There's another one another. But encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see, the day drawing near. The day being the end. And today, we're closer to the day than we were yesterday. And tomorrow, will be even closer, if tomorrow comes. And so, 
every day of our life, the, the longer we live, every extra breath we get to take, we need to become more and more serious about being the church, about these one another verses, encouraging one another all the more as the day draws near. Now, um, we're about to hear a testimony. And um, this testimony, uh, I heard a snippet of it earlier this year at the beginning of the summer. And when I was preparing for this message, I thought this is the, the appropriate time for us to hear this. And so um, I, I, I want you to be able to, to hear it uh, from the horse's mouth. I'm not, Tamara, I'm not calling you a horse. But if you would, if you would just come on up here. And um, we're going to hear from Tamara about uh, what God has been doing in her life and, and what she has gone through. And it directly relates to meeting together and being the church. So that was incredible, Tamara. She was like, I'm going to do so bad. I'm so nervous. I, I was terrible in speech. And it was incredible. Thank you for sharing that with us. And it is so applicable to what we're talking about because if you if there's ever been a time in your life where you've strayed from God and you've strayed from his church if you would raise your hand almost every hand in here just went up and that's not an exaggeration at least 90 percent maybe more of the hands went up and um we know the feeling of neglecting meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, we, we know the feeling of, of to where that leads. We know how it's, it's hard, it's difficult to continue to live for him and be who you are called to be outside of biblical community. But the, the tragedy is, is that not only do we, some of us, many of us in this room, experience times where we fall away from the church, but sometimes we come to church, we come to a building, we come to a worship service, and the church isn't being the church. And so sometimes, even when we, we, when we don't stop going, we don't experience church the way that we're supposed to experience. We're missing biblical community because we're not being the church that we need to be. And so this morning, we're going to look at how to be the church together. We're needed together. We, we need to live life together. If you have your sheets, if you would look with me. And I'm just going to read through these. I'm not, I don't have time to, to list every address of these verses. So I'm just going to read through these one another's. And what I want you to realize is, is that we cannot obey these one another's if we're not living life together. Okay, you cannot do, you cannot love one another if you are withdrawn from the others. Okay? In order to love one another, we have to be engaged and in relationship with one another. And that's where the church comes in. Love one another. Serve one another. Accept one another. Strengthen one another. Help one another. Encourage one another. Care for one another. Forgive one another. Submit to one another. Commit to one another. Build trust with one another. Be devoted to one another. Be patient with one another. Be interested in one another. Be accountable to one another. Confess to one another. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be conceited toward one another. Do not pass judgment on one another. Do not slander 
one another. Instruct one another. Greet one another. Admonish one another. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Meet with one another. Agree with one another. Be concerned for one another. Be humble toward one another in love. Be compassionate toward one another. Do not be consumed by one another. Do not anger one another. Do not lie to one another. Do not grumble toward one another. Give presence uh, sorry, give preference to one another. Be at peace with one another. Sing to one another. Be of the same mind to one another. Comfort one another. Be kind to one another. Live in peace with one another. And carry one another's burdens. And these are just the verses that, that say one another. There are plenty of one another verses in heart that don't use the words one another. And we cannot do all these things. How can we commit to one another if we don't even hang out with one another? We are called to be the church together. We are called to have fellowship. And for those of you who weren't here when we discussed that word fellowship, it comes from the Greek word koinonia, and it, it's, it's a partnership. But it's more than just like a business partnership. It's a partnership where you are choosing to join together. You are choosing to live life together. You are choosing to be the church together so that together we can accomplish God's word. We can accomplish his will because we cannot do it alone. It takes together. It takes one another. And so we're about to watch a video. And this video is about five minutes long. And then after the video, I'll come back up and I will close us for this morning and transition us to the time later on this afternoon at 4 p.m. when we'll come back here for some small group training. But um, first we're going to watch this video. And then after the video... I will come back up and close this sermon. I mean, what could could Rick have run the marathon without his father pushing him? No. And could, and like it said in the video, would Dick have run the marathon without that relationship with his son? No. And in relationship, we challenge one one another. In relationship, we in, we inspire. One another. And if we are living life together the right way as a church, then it's going to be possible for us to obey all of the one another's in Scripture. And so I'm committed. I am committed to this lifestyle of living life with one another. I'm committed to getting phone calls in the middle of the night. Because one of my others needs me. And I have people I know I can call. Because they have committed to living life with one another. And I hope that this morning you will commit to living life with one another. That you will commit to loving one another. Accepting one another. Strengthening one another. Not being in the habit of some and neglecting meeting together. We don't want to do that. We want to encourage one another. We want to learn how to stir up one another to love and good works. We need one another to be able to, to live in the fullness of the relationship that, and the relationships that God has called us to live. We need one another. And for me, one of the reasons why I'm passionate about small groups and home groups, which we will have our training at 4 o'clock today, 
One of the reasons I'm passionate about small groups is because it helps us. It puts us in an environment where it's one step closer to living life with one another as the scripture commands us to do. It, it, it just gives one more avenue where we're not just meeting together, all of us, a bunch of us in this room, where problems can, can stay hidden and, you know, anybody can fake a smile for a few minutes a week. And so we come in here and I say, hey, I'm so glad to see you here. Let's shake hands. And we say, how are you doing? And you say, I'm doing great. It's good to see you. And hey, how are you? I'm doing great. It's good to see you. When in reality, you have problems. We have problems. We need help. And we have a solution of how to have that help and where to find that help. And it's in one another. But. We're not building true relationships. We're just coming to corporately worship together and we're, rene- we're neglecting the 99 other rest, 99% of the rest of what God says about us living life together because we, we spend this one hour together a week. And it's not enough. It's not enough. We should be living life together on a daily basis. And I'm not saying we come to church every day. And I'm not saying we have small groups and meet in each other's homes every day. Although uh, Darren and Debbie have offered to open their home every day. Anybody who wants to come over, maybe not. You might want to call first. Um, but we, we, we don't necessarily have to go to church every day or be in each other's homes every day. But we need to be living life together. We need to be checking on each other. How many of you have ever received a phone call in a desperate time when you needed to hear from that person or received a visit or receive something from someone when you needed it. In a moment of desperation. Well, what if we were living life together every day. So that every time we felt that. There was someone there. When every time we were going through something. There was someone there to, to listen to us when we were hurting. Or every time we felt like what's my purpose. And then we look beside us. Oh. My purpose is this other person that I'm living life with. I need to encourage them. I need to strengthen them. I need to be there for them. We find purpose when we have smaller communities than 100 people at once. And so is corporate worship extremely important and needed? Absolutely. And when I say corporate worship, I just mean when we all come together. But are small groups important? Yes. Are times of Bible study important? Yes. We're not saying let's get rid of the way we've been doing things. I'm just saying that with small groups, it gives us an opportunity to live life with one another, live life together in a way that's more intimate than the way most of us, not all of us, but most of us have been living life. And so if you're in here today, and maybe this is your first time to come to this church, and you're interested in what what is a small group, what is going to happen in these things how is it going to help us to do these one another's if if you're in here and you've heard me talk about small groups for the past few months and you're like please be quiet already enough about small groups that's okay you come tonight at four too because when we have a discussion after this meeting about whether we should move forward with small groups or not then you need to be well informed about what a small group is what's it look like what's it why are we even trying to to do it to accomplish it and and i'll tell you just to summarize and close, why I want to do small groups. And then I'll tell you, as 
in, during our time of invitation, even if we don't do small groups, we have a responsibility to this. Why do I want to do small groups? I want to do small groups because I believe that it is our job as a church to worship God. And I believe that in worshiping Him, it is our job to tell others about Him so that they can worship Him, do evangelism and missions. It is our job as a church, as we're worshiping Him, to make disciples, other disciples who can also worship Him. And so we're making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And I believe that the best environment, the best way, biblically, to make disciples is in relationship. If you look at Jesus, Jesus didn't say, okay, disciples, meet here 2 o'clock tomorrow, and you'll go through your discipleship class for the hour, and then we're done until the next week. He lived life with those people daily, for some of them. And then every time he was coming through town, he was seeing some of these people. And he was eating with them in their homes, and he was hanging out with them. And I believe that small groups gives us an opportunity to, to relationally make disciples. Not just come to a class and learn, which those can be very productive and great. And I encourage you, if you're not involved in one of those classes, to get involved in one of those classes. But to, small groups will give us the opportunity to come together in homes, in small groups, you know, 10 to 15 people max, probably closer to 8 would be preferable. And you live life together. And there will be a leader of that small group, and that leader will check in on people on a weekly basis and see how they're doing and ask them those questions of how are you doing today. Not just shaking hands in front of everybody in, a, in a, an environment where you can't open up, but will be making contact and checking on you so that you can see so that they can see what's really going on. Because as a pastor, I don't know how many people are here today, but let's just say that there's about 120 people who are here on, you know, an average time, an average week. And if we have 120 people, how long is it going to take me to get around to 120 people? But if we have small groups, and I have leaders that I'm meeting with those small group leaders... And then those leaders are meeting with their people and they're checking in on them and they're living life together. And then the leaders of the small group won't be the only spiritually mature leaders in that small group. The leaders will have help within their small groups to make disciples, to live life together, to love one another, serve one another, comfort one another, hold one another accountable. We will be able to do these one another's better with this structure. But we could start small groups... And it just be another time when we come together and we not be vulnerable. We could start small groups and it not be successful because it's up to us of whether we are going to obey these or not. And so this morning, I do encourage you to come back here at 4 to hear more about small groups. And it's 4 to 7.30. It's three and a half hours. Marcus Brown, who grew up in this church, uh, many of you know Marcus. Uh, Marcus Brown and Jared Farley, both of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention, will be here to help lead our small group training, and I'm excited about it. But whether you come to the small group training or not, we have a responsibility to obey these. And if we don't have social structures in our life to where we can obey these, and what I mean by that is if we're not spending time with other people in a manner where we can obey these, then who's accountable for that? We are. We are. Not just as individuals, but as a church. We're responsible for that. We need to make sure we're doing everything in our power 
to, to structure things in a way where we can live life together, where we can live life with one another. So, maybe you're here this morning and you heard Tamara's incredible testimony. And maybe you've been the one that has strayed, as Tamara did in the past. And I didn't know that Tamara, I mean, she's been here since I've gotten here, so I've only known the Tamara I know now. So I don't know what, everything that went on or what her parents went through or any of that. But I know that when I ask how many of you have strayed, almost everyone in here raised their hand. Or maybe you're in here this morning and you have someone in your life who you love who has strayed from the church, who has neglected meeting together. And you just want to pray for them this morning and ask God to bring them back. Or maybe you heard all these one another read and you realize, wow, there's so many of these that I'm not accomplishing, that I'm not obeying. And you just want to know how, what's next? How do I do this? How do I do, how, how do, I do these one another's? Maybe you just want someone to talk to. However God is leading you, however God is convicting you, however he's challenging you, then I just encourage you to respond to him this morning. And I'll be up here if anyone needs me to pray with them or needs to talk to me. I'll be right here. But if you just need to sit where you are. Or maybe in the process of one another's and trying to live life together, maybe you've caused pain. You've caused hurt. And like Tamara did this morning when she came and said that she was sorry for the things that she has done in her past. She didn't have to do that. But she felt like God was leading her to do that. And as a Christian, we are to to ask for forgiveness when we've hurt people, when we've wronged people. And maybe you're in here this morning and you've hurt someone or you've wronged someone and you need to apologize. Then you don't need to worry about what's going on right here. You need to get right with that person right now. If they're not here, you leave the building and you make a phone call, you make a visit, you do whatever you got to do. But you just respond to God in whatever way he's leading you. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And I just pray that this morning, as we've seen over and over and over again in your scripture, in your word, all of these ways that you have told us to live life with one another, I just pray, God, that you would challenge us to do so this morning you would give us the ability, that you would strengthen us through the power of your Holy Spirit to help us to obey these one another's. Lord, if we've hurt someone, give us courage to ask for forgiveness. If someone has hurt us, give us the strength to forgive them. Lord, if we're in here this morning and we're worried about someone who has strayed in our life, God, please hear our cries this morning and hear our prayers, Lord, as we cry out for our loved ones. Lord, bring them back to you and help us to be the type of church that people want to come back to. Help us to be the type of church that's not hurting people, but we are stirring up one another to love and good works. Help us to be that type of church. Help us to be the type of church that has community, biblical community, where we're living life together and we're there with each other through the good times and through the bad times, through the rejoicing and through the mourning. And Lord, help us to be the type of church that you have called us to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.